for another week. We are up to our eighth sheer two months. Amazing job, everyone. Um, we call it sheer eight because we don't always finish the parak. Although for seven times, we did finish the parak every single week. And this time, first for everything, we are not going to finish the entire parak, just most of it. Our learning today is dedicated for all those in need. We have to try to figure out what's going to be. What's the battle plan for I 2.0? It's the second time. They lose the first war. So what's their plan going to be to avoid a repeat in battle number two? So let's take a look at Pasukah. Vayomer Hashem al Yoshua al Tirav al Teichat kach imcha ekol ha'am hamilchama v'kum alei ha'ai reinatati biadcha emelcha ha'ai v'tamovet iro v'et artzo. Hashem says to Yoshua, "Do not be worried. Don't be nervous." Now this is the same language that Moshe Rabbeinu had used to Yoshua. Also, don't worry. God used this in Parak Aleph to Yoshua. When there's a reason to be nervous, you tell people, don't be nervous. Although psychologists will often tell you that is not a good idea. Someone has anxiety. The worst thing to say to them is don't be nervous. But perhaps God is actually giving Yoshua the key ingredient is success. You have nothing to worry about. Why? Because I'm speaking to you. And despite anything that happened, I'm with you. And what are you supposed to do? Take with you call ha'am ha'milchama, the entire group of people to war, and go up to Ai, and I will put them in your hand, Melech Ai, his nation, the city, the et in his land. Perhaps the king of Ai was actually the king of a slightly larger area. And therefore, when we're told that Artso, it's that there is the city specific to I and a king, but he has a little bit more land beyond that. Just as you did to Yericho and its king. So these are the instructions. Battle plan number two. You are to do exactly what you did to Yericho. You're going to do the I as well. Only difference is, You get to keep the animals this time. You get to keep the, the, the spoils of war because you are going to be the victors. As we've said already several times to the victors, go the spoils. And so they are the victors. And then God says one other thing. I'm planting in your head the strategy. I want you to place a orave. An orave, we're going to have that word a lot. An orave is an ambush. Place an ambush behind the city. We're going to look at maps today very carefully to try to understand exactly what's in front of the city, what's behind the city, what direction, where all of the troops are. That's a gimel. So Yeshua gets up with the entire nation of warriors. It's a really big question. What is that? What do those words mean? Is that all of Kalal Yisrael? Talking about 600,000 troops? 
or is there a smaller force that's considered Am Hamil Chama? And Yoshua chooses 30,000 men who are Gibore They are warriors. He sends them out live at night. Yeshua says to them, understand, you are going to be the ambush of the city. You'll be behind the city. Don't go too far away. And be ready. Be prepared. Your mission is going to be there. Malbin points out something amazing. He says, that in general, there's different types of orvim, different types of ambushes. There's generally, you have an ambush for the people of the city, an ambush for people on the road. So generally, the people are ambushing ambushing other people. If that's your goal, then you need to be near the people. Yoshua's words, if you read them carefully, the only thing you need to be prepared for is the fact that you are going to attack the city. How many people does Yoshua have in his army? It's a great question. So the prevalent opinion is that there is a war force of 30,000 men. 30,000 men is still a lot. It's 10 times the 3,000 soldiers from last time. We're going to find out at the end of the Perek that there are 12,000 people that are killed in Ai. So presumably 30,000 far outnumbers the people of I. So 30,000, a lot more than last time. And then from the 30,000, at some point, what are we going to do? We are going to siphon off some of them as the, the O-ring. It's one possibility. There's another thought that perhaps 30,000 is the ambush. And you would read Pasagimel to say, according to the first, is that Yoshua has 30,000 people and he sends them out at night. And what does he say? He's commanding them that they're going to be Orvim. They're not all Orvim. Some will be Orvim. According to the second possibility, which is a beautiful thread that, that the Abarbanel takes straight through the entire, uh, the entire battle, says, no, there's a group of 30,000 people and they are set aside to be the first array. Now, the interesting thing is, they're sent out at night, the first night, before anybody knows that they're even leaving. 30,000 men have gone out and they've encamped a distance away from the city, close enough to do their job. question that I'm going to ask you to think about as we learn these psukim is, which numbers work better? The first set? 30,000 total, or 30,000 is the ambush, and far more than that. Says Yoshua, what's going to happen? Now we are going to take a look at these psukim from the perspective of both. So the map is on the screen. Feel free to use it to look at it. This is um, according to the 30,000 total theory. So let's read the psukim. We'll read the psukim, and then afterwards, we'll take a look at the Abarbanel's reading of the psukim, how he's going to manage the, the numbers. And then after we're done with that, we will see the psukim as the battle takes place. And I and the entire group of people will come to the city. 
Now that's the 5,000 ambush, and that's the 25,000 remaining people. So he says, And when the people of Ai come out of this city, what will we do? We'll run away. They're going to go backwards, as the arrows point out, towards Derech Hamidbar and Yerifo. They'll follow us after us. Until we draw them out of the city. Let them say, We want them to think it's a repeat of last time. What did they do? The same way last time. The Jews attacked and ran away. This time the same thing. The Jews will attack and then the Jews will run away. And then it's the Orev's job to pounce on the city. That is how we read it according to the first explanation. The 25,000 soldiers are there and the 5,000 soldiers are over there, the Orev. The Orev is unknown to Ai. They are hiding behind Ai. So the question then becomes, if 25,000 men are rushing the city and I is only 12,000, why would I leave? Why would I, which is a fortified city, leave the city? They have to do anything. Now you can say that they're confident based on their success last time that they could rout the enemy. It's a possibility. But the question is, is there something that's forcing them to leave the city? Now, let's take a look at the Abarbanel. The Abarbanel offers something else. You have 5,000 men right there. They are the ambush. But you have the old 30,000. They came, Balayla, they came the first night. Yoshua then takes another 5,000 in our Psukim and puts them out there. And then what do we have after that? We have after that, B'nai Yisrael will charge, the, will charge the city. And then the question is, why does I leave the city? It might be more obvious. If you have thousands and thousands and thousands of people, possibly 600,000 soldiers that are rushing the city, then yeah, of course I is going to leave. Because they know that there's no chance that they could possibly win by staying in the city. They'll just end up dying in a siege. So they're hoping that much like last time, they could capitalize upon the armies fleeing and take him out. So now we have what happens next. What is the Orev's job? When you capture the city, you are to light it on fire. So I want you to do. I want you to light, the, burn the city down just as I have commanded you. So what happens? Now we want to know where are they? So Yoshua sends the Marav, and they are between Beit El and between I. So whether it's 5,000 or whether it's 30,000 and 5,000, they are between Beit El and I. One of the possible reasons why they would be between Beit El and I is in order to ensure that Beit El can't come to the 
help of I. Because there, there's a block, they're blocking them. There, there's actually a double role, just especially according to the Abarabanel, with the fact that there's two forces there. One force is intended to burn the city, but the other force is intended to simply make sure that Beit El does not come and join the fray. Yoshua sleeps there that night, says the Abarabanel. Yeshua had a purpose of spending the night with the troops that are about to battle. He was afraid that they might be afraid of I. And therefore, he stayed by them. He does it to, to, to make them okay, to make them feel comfortable. Not only that, but Yeshua also recognizes that perhaps he made a critical mistake. He should have been there in the battle until now. He should have been in battle number one. I, 1.0, oh, he should have been there. And he wasn't. So he's there. He's with the people. He's going to lead the troops. And he's there. Lazarzam. Give them chizuk. So if the people are, be, are feeling nervous, if they're worried, if anything comes up, he's going to be able to tell them it's going to be okay. I have your back. Okay. So what happens next? Yeshua gets up in the morning. And he, he gets them ready. He and the Zikanim of Yisrael come before the eye. An amazing thing. Who would think? Who are the people leading them in battle? The elders of Israel. Not some young 30-year-old general. You're talking about old men. Why? Because the whole way that we fight has nothing to do with just strategy. It it's not just strategy. But we believe that it's the connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Don't you want this Canaan? Don't you want the elders, the best of your best people to be with you? Abar Benel points out, why does he get up early in the morning? And my go to Ta'am. So he gets up in the morning to see. He checks. Are they ready for war? War. He did not want them to get scared. And if that was their purpose, he Barbanel points out if you read the next passage, it's clear they didn't need that because Pasuket Aleph says that they got up in the morning, they are good to go. But just in case, just in case the Jewish people were feeling any bit of nervousness, any anxiety, any fear at all in light of what had happened already, says Yoshua, no words. Says, say the Jewish people, Yoshua, we're good. They get up, they go. They come towards the city. Now they are They're to the north of Ai. They're to the north of Ai, right, right there, where the arrow ends. And here's the thing. Between them, you can't see it on the map, but between them is a valley. So Yoshua is on one side of the valley. 
the city of Ai is on the other side of the valley. And there is a there is a wadi or some sort of valley in between. The Jews are on one side. So now what's the plan? The plan is that they, in order to get to Ai, there's no direct way. They're going to have to go down the valley and up the valley. That's the plan. It takes five thousand men. He puts them as a uh, as an ambush between the between Beit El and between I Miamleir. Now, according to the opinion that there's two forces there, it's clear the thirty thousand would be there to burn the city, and these five thousand were there to block the city. If you believe that there is, if you accept the opinion that there's only 5,000 people in ambush, then somehow those 5,000 people are really meant to burn the city, but they also provide a buffer to Beit El. So the nation is Asher Mitzvon La'ir, they're to the north of the city, and the ambush is miyam la'ir. Rashi says, to grab by the heel. You grab by the heel, that's a sign of what? That's a sign of a, it's a, it's a trick move. Nobody sees that coming. So they're the array. They are the ambush. They hide in the west. Now we have another night. That's Mikra says we don't have another night. When we had that first night, that's big ado. And now, as the story takes place, we're given all the things. But perhaps there's a second night here. We'd have to wonder, why a second night? Perhaps you should want to make sure everything has to be lined up exactly correctly. So Yoshua goes at night, betocha amen. Radak says, what does it mean that Yoshua goes um, at night, betocha amen? What's he doing? Says the Radak, Kilomar Halahu, the Achirimimo, he and others with him, presumably this Canaan, the Tocha Emek, Shamachane, Shamli wrote Shomramachane, him Arim, Shanim. Let's make sure he's awake. The last thing in the world you need is a surprise attack by I when you're sleeping at the wheel. That's what Radak says. Rashi says no. What does it mean, Betocha Emek? Tocha Emek, Rabotenu, Amru, Chazal, tell us, Ba'om Kashalalach. He's sitting there and learning. He's learning the depth of Torah that night. Why do we have that? We actually have a very similar Rashi. When Yosef is sent from Chevron, says, Me'emek Chevron, says, May I'm from the depth, the secrets of the nevuah of everything that comes there. Is there a similarity? Is that room for a point to ponder? Not really sure, but Rashi does not use the pshat and says, "Ba'om kashel Torah." Yoshua says, "I got to learn my dafyom." Why? Because I had this already. The the sorrow the the sorrow shall sava Hashem. The, the general of the of the army of God, he came to me in Perek, hey, right before the battle of Yericho. And he says, you got to learn Torah. What are you doing, Yoshua? So Yoshua says, I'm going to learn tonight. But probably the Radak makes a lot more sense. What's he doing? He needs to make sure his troops are fine. He's checking the morale. 
He's checking the alertness. These are all key things. Yoshua is military leader. And he wants to make sure he does it right. He certainly knows he can ill afford I 2.0 to end the way the first battle did. The way I read it, I hope you notice the fact that it's one after another after another. If you take a look on the screen, the trap, my hair, they went out. They get up. And the people of the city go. The king of Ai sees, what does he see? He sees that the troops have advanced. He sees that they're in the Amen. And what does he himself do? He rushes everyone. And they get up early. And they go out. He and all these people, to the time, in front of the plane. What happens? Yoshua is successful. Because the goal was to make sure that the array, the ambush, is kept quiet. No one should know about it. They're there to do their job, but they're not meant to be seen. They'll be seen at exactly the right moment. But at this moment, nothing. So why does Melech Yericho run out? What is his motivation that he has to get out there so quickly? The Abarbanel gives an answer. It's a tactical answer. He says, He wants to outsmart them. He figures, they're not ready yet. Let me wait in the morning. They're eating their breakfast. They're getting their shoes on. Boom. What happened? That is his answer. It's a beautiful answer by the Abarbanel. The Malbim suggests a different answer. The first time they got to the city gates and then they're repelled by the Melech Ai and they, they, they defeat them in the Amet. Malbim says that the Melech Ai realizes why do we have to lead them to come to where we are? Let's go out to them. We'll beat them in the Amek. They're in the Amek. Right now, they're at the bottom. Let's come and attack them right there. We'll win. Lamo Aid. What is this Lamo Aid that we're talking about? This moment that it should happen. So the answer that Rashi gives is a little bit hard to understand. Maybe there were some maneuvers that were done the day before. And the Melchai says, we like we have this ability to intuit. We're sorcerers. We know that somehow this is what's going to make sense. Perhaps, perhaps in light of what the Malbim is saying, it's this cryptic Lamo A is saying the same time as last time. They were in the Amen at around the same time. Let's squash them there. We will win. Now, 
The question is, why does Beit El get involved? What's their fate? What happens? So let's hold off and read the Pesukim and see what happens. Yoshua Mitsuda's David beautifully explains those words. They made it look like they were afflicted. They were smitten with disease and they were weak. Yoshua does that. And he goes back all the way up there. And they all scream out. Radak says, to call out. They all call out. Everybody, let's go. They're, the whole city is there. And they chase Yoshua. He pulls them out of the city. That was the whole plan. That's what he wanted to do. Get them out of the city. It was not a person that was not, that did not stay in the city of Ai, the city of Beitel. They leave the city gates open and they go running after the Jewish people. They're thinking, we got them. We got them exactly where we want. God comes into the story. We haven't heard from God since Pascal from death. And the plan was initially hatched. But first, what happens to Beitel? Beitel leaves their city also. Footnote in the Dat Mikra says, but wait a second. Beitel comes back and they're not destroyed until Shoftim. So he says, But the people get back. They are able to get back and retreat into their city. Perhaps they hit the 30,000, the 5,000 that are blocking their way, and they realize they have to go back. So Betel goes back. They survive yet another day. Not the case at all. The people of... I. So God says to Yeshua, don't hold your spear, Asher I, towards I, ki nena. I'm going to give it to you in your hands. Yoshua holds on to it, holds the kidon in his hand towards the city. And what happens? And the O'Rave, they drop in right then. They come to the city, they capture it. They go quickly. And they, they set the city on fire. That was the plan. Interesting. Also, three verbs, one after another. At this point in time, the notion of the spear and him holding it up should sound very familiar. Take a look at Pasuk Tet, some Shmo, the end of the Shalach. Go fight Amalek. Machar, tomorrow. Not today, but tomorrow. Also, this idea of time, but it's not now, it's in the future. A little bit similar to our story here, no? Yoshua does exactly as he's told to fight Amalek. 
Yoshua is Bashetach. He is in the field. He's fighting. What's happening? Moshe Aaron of Chur go up to the top of the mountain. When Moshe's hands are up in the air, you sell away. His hands go down. Sounds a little bit similar. Why is it? In both cases, you have a battle that's fought with army troops. Yoshua is there in, in battle. Yoshua is there in battle again. Why the sign up in the air? Rabbi Hatton says it is perhaps purposely connected to Milchem and Amalek. Because Amalek says that everything is Bimikreh, just happens. And our answer to uh, Amalek is, Snap in the crack by Hashem. Just by Hashem. The kavana is to make sure that we all know that it's the Hashgacha of Hashem that wins. Yes, this is a natural battle. Yes, to the victor go the spoils. And from the outside looking in, the Jews are the ones that win. Hashem says now's the time. Hashem is the one who gives the plan, the strategy. They might not know it. They might not see it. They might not realize it. But it is so important to realize that even in a natural battle, it's not happening. Not happening at all without God. Question, though, we have to wonder is, how do they see the spear? This is to the north of the city. And the troops, the orave, the ones that have to see it, are in the west of the city. So one possibility is, remember, he went into the guy, he went into the Amek, and now he comes up to leave Derech HaMikvah. He's no longer in the valley. The valley, they have no chance. By the time he reaches up to hold up his Kidon, he's on the high ground again. So it must be that there is some way, some clear path of vision to see it. Okay, that's one possibility. Malvim says, no, there was a set time. They had said two or three days from now, at this time, you're going to attack. Yes, he holds up the Kidon, but they knew that the Kidon was going to be held up at precisely that moment. And perhaps the third suggestion is very simply, it's just a miracle that it worked out. It is really hard to believe that from two sides, they'll be able to see it, but maybe maybe it just worked out by a miracle. Every tour guide will ever tell you in Israel, on a clearer day, you could see. Maybe they got a clear day. And on that clear day, the soldier with the uh, with the binoculars, he saw. So what happens? The nation, uh, the people of Ai, turn around and they see the smoke coming out of their city. Deflates them, number one. But also, they have nowhere to go back to. That tells them that the city has been occupied. They can't go back to the city. And yet, Yoshua and his troops, they did an about face. And now they're crunched in. And Yoshua knows we can win. Those that were in the city come out. You have the 5,000 or 30,000 coming one way. And then you have the rest of the troops coming the other way. 
No one is left. Destroy everyone and everything. That Melachai Tafsuchai, but they do capture one. They capture one. Who do they capture? The Melachai. Melachai is uh, he lives. They tol Yoshua. They bring him to Yoshua. It's a very hard thing to imagine. They kill everybody, men, women, and children. It's hard. Hard to hear that. Why do they do that? Because God tells them they have to do it. And it's in order to make it clear to the other nations, the other kings that are left in Canaan, that the Jewish people are planning on destroying them. It's tactical. King is still alive. Every person is killed. They come back to Ai and they kill anyone who's still living. 12,000 people, all the people of Ai. All the people of Ai. It sounds like as the Mitzurah Tzion says, it is not 12,000 troops. It's 12,000 people, men, women, and children. Yoshua's hand and his kidon is in the air until the very end. I mean, come on, that's motion, his hands all over again. It sends a message to them. Our salvation comes from the heavens. But they actually do keep the, the the loot, the spoils are, are taken. Why? There's. Interesting, it says, that God commanded. It demonstrates that although the Jewish people are active partners in the kibush, God is their leader. Yehoshua leaves I, burn it, has them burn it, and they leave it, tell Olam Shmama Adayomazet. It was laid desolate. Interesting archaeological digging w- went around there. They believe they found Beit Aven. They believe they found Beit El. They have not found I yet. Shmama, tell Olam Adayomazet. But Melech I, Tala, And yet they, they hanged the king of I on the tree until evening. Balbag says, why do they do that? Why do they have to even hang him? Just kill him. They want all the other leaders. Let all the other kings hear what happened. The king does not escape punishment. You can bet that the people in Beit El who are close enough to the city, they're looking. They're looking and saying, what happened? And they see the king of Ai, he's hanging all night, he's hanging all day long. But only until nightfall. When it gets done, when the sun sets, Yoshua commands them, take down the body. What do they do? They they put, they bury him with a gal, a mound of stones out of Yomazet. The gal is clearly to send a message. This is where he died. We make piles of stones often 
to remind everybody, this is where this happened, this is what happened. They wanted me to know that he died here. Why not leave him up longer? I think the answer to that is that the Jewish people are commanded in Devarim that when you kill someone, you're not allowed to leave. When you hang someone, you're not allowed to leave them hanging past nightfall. Why? It's not appropriate. It's never lie. The Jewish people are going to have to kill a lot of people. But we still have to do it the right way. What is the right way? What is the proper way? There's no nice way to kill people. There's no nice way to have war. But anything that is additional, that is simply there to shame, to embarrass, to make a statement, that you don't have to do. You can make a statement by hanging it. Everybody will see it. But that's al Allah. Afterwards, when night comes, what do you have to do? Bury him right away so that it's consistent with the Torah's uh, practice and the Torah's philosophy. Next week, we will pick up with our Grizim and our Eval. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. Thank you so much for joining us.